0: Welcome to the In Pursuit of Branding podcast. I'm Kelly Whitman, a brand strategist, designer, wife, mom, and avid reader. Through my work, I've helped hundreds of purpose-driven businesses build strategy, meaning, and connection into their brands so they can do more good work in this world. You are enjoying this podcast ad-free because of the very generous support of subscribers on Substack. You can learn more and subscribe at KellyWhitman.substack.com and continue the conversation about building a people-first business. If you're a service-based business owner, creative entrepreneur, or consultant who wants to build a business doing work you love while also supporting your life, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Hey, friends, I am excited to introduce you to my lovely friend, Brianna Pika. She is a dedicated fundraising professional with a track record of success in supporting nonprofits through expert capital campaign management. She is also the chief brand officer of Spave, and that is a saving and giving app that transforms spending for the good. She's also the founder of Fundraising for Libraries and co-founder with me of Brandraise. Today we're going to be talking about her endeavor of market research and really her process that she went through and is still going through to really understand her audience for a specific product that she launched I, last year, I believe is when we get into the details. But she talks about the questions that she asks and how she connects with the right people, and getting over those mindset blocks of making cold calls, really in an effort to connect with your ideal client and create something that is truly valuable for them. I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for being here. For our listeners who have not had the pleasure of meeting you, can you please introduce yourself and share a little bit personally and professionally?
1: Yeah, so I am Brianna Paika, and I live in Scandia, just north of Twin Cities Metro, um, with my husband and twin boys who are six, um, and I am a fundraising professional. Um, I have experience with capital campaign management, also past experience in marketing management as well, so really a combination of those two are where my passions lie, and um, what really kind of any business venture has, has surrounded. So.
0: Yes. And also you and I, So, well, you and I met um, through BWC and you mentioned, you know, capital campaigns. I had no idea what that was, even being in the nonprofit space. So for anyone who doesn't know, can you just give a quick synopsis of what does capital camp- campaigns mean? Cause I think that'll give us some good context as we segue into your expertise and what we're going to talk about today in the realm of market research.
1: Perfect. Yeah, so capital campaigns are projects for nonprofits. They could certainly be for municipalities as well, but really... Larger projects so kind of in the realm of one to $7 million has been projects that that I've worked on the most, Um, so those can range from libraries to um, veterans parks to um, an organization that supported um, the unsheltered in tiny homes and building affordable housing. Those projects look like, um, again, an example of the library we worked with. We helped the Eau Claire, Ellie Phillips Memorial Public Library raise 7 million to expand their library. So it's really where there's kind of a gap in funding. Um, Sometimes, you know, from a city perspective, the gap in funding can be solved through then private philanthropy. Same thing then happens with nonprofits. If there's a really large project that that an organization wants to pursue that will really propel and grow and fill a need, that's where the capital campaigns come in.
0: Thank you for that. And you mentioned the library which is kind of where the idea of asking you to come on came from. um, Because at one of our, our get together lunches, you were mentioning doing market research for libraries, because you had this digital product that you wanted to sell and have it specifically be for libraries. So I kind of want to tee you up there. But then maybe ask, had you done market research before this? And how did you hone in on picking libraries as the client? And let's start there?
1: Yeah. Capital campaigns are really big and really intentionally big. And that usually comes with a, a larger price tag for a nonprofit because it's a you know you, a pay for, for a service. And usually capital campaigns last anywhere from 12 to 18 months. So I loved capital campaigns so much, but there is such a need that, that I identified working through capital campaigns that there are these fundamental principles that can really be applied that can have such a huge and almost immediate impact so that kind of led me to thinking about you know where are what is another group that I've worked with in the past that could really benefit from this type of of service and so that's a little bit of the background and kind of how it came to be um and then thinking about, in addition, you know, are there tools that I could really succinctly explain how to do a thing, right? Whether that be event planning, whether that be solicitation training, for example, that that we would be able to um, put down in a written PDF form and to really help train that way, um, and then to offer consulting with it, and so. A year ago, we pursued. So at this time, it was working actually with my mom and my sister through an organization called um, Crescendo Fundraising, where I had previously worked on capital campaigns. And so we pursued really, let's start with event planning and looking at how we can effectively train people how to plan an event. So the biggest difference for us is that Events don't have to be huge and cost a ton of money. Our events that we do from a capital campaign perspective would cost anywhere from two to five thousand and potentially make upwards of a hundred to two hundred thousand because of the planning and steps that that occurred. And so I just thought there's such an opportunity. I want to share this knowledge with people because I hate that there are people that have events and that only make one to $2,000 for just an insane amount of work. Um, and so that then led to let's try this, you know, event planning. We spent about um, a year working and building it up and did a lot of market research and um, from, a, from an ad perspective, actually did social media ads as well, but it really kind of didn't do well. And so there was this point where I thought, Well, this is interesting. Um, We spent a couple of months trying to build an email list and even two or three months in, there were only 17 people on the email list. So it was of course a little defeating, but like we know everything happens for a reason. So there's this really good opportunity to kind of have an inflection point of, I really am so committed to sharing that information and how can I do it in a better way? So that kind of translated to let's figure out what you know how to best identify audiences better so you know we had really general broad sweeping um groups that we thought would would meet this need and then i actually had met another business coach online and her name is Kelsey King from Whole Healthy Families and really just resonated her approach resonated with me really deeply because it went so um, in-depth in the market research perspective. And the whole process was really centered around learning more, right, from an empathy perspective about um, the our audience. And so this is where we chose fundraising for libraries. So how can we really meet the needs of libraries? So Really long-winded answer, but it gives you mm-hmm. some background, some context, <laughs> and then kind of where we are now and why it was so important to to work on the market research aspect for us.
0: Yes, thank you for sharing all that. And what I what I love that you shared that I want to highlight is that you pulled an offer together. And you put it out there and it didn't work. And instead of saying like, oh, screw this, you know, F it, we're done. I'm just like scrapping it. You went back to the drawing board to reiterate. So you didn't start from scratch, but you used what you already had reiterated and then launched it again. I think a lot of times the messages that can be out there, especially in the digital space is that you launch and then it automatically gives you you know the six figures and it's this huge success. Um so thank you for sharing that. No, the first one didn't work and didn't meet your expectations. And the other thing that I think is really important is that you had to know, maybe I'm well let me know if you agree with this, but like coming up with an offer in the first place, you saw something that you at Crescendo was doing differently and That was the basis for creating then this digital product that you could offer to other people. I think a lot of times we forget or we don't know, like, what should I offer? But even from what I'm understanding and from the conversations that you and I have had, of like, you have to know your industry, right? And that's kind of where competitor research is really important as well to know how other people are doing things so that you can then say, oh, we do this differently and get these kinds of results because we do it differently. And that can be a really good starting point for determining a new offer. Would that would that be accurate?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, And I think it goes to the layer, right? It's like, um, like we've talked about what's, what's the secret sauce of, you know, what really helps resonate. And when you can choose your audience so specifically and speak to them so specifically, like we know it's, so it's not just all nonprofits then when you can are very clearly articulate, someone's problem, you know, that, that right away helps them on such a deeper level to build that trust, even without you communicating with them. Um, So that was really important realization for me to understand and just really feel the benefits of speaking to such a niche audience. And, and to also know that that previous work right is not of course at all wasted but that we were able to like we talked about we were able to just continue to build on it and continue to pivot um and and you know the value of that time and always the benefit of that time and that knowledge that you build throughout a process and how that can really benefit you then in the in the next you know attempt at it too
0: yeah so I think you kind of answered this, but maybe to ask it, how did you decide that you wanted to go all in on that library space, you know, going from a very broad nonprofits in general, maybe a certain size, but not having a ton of restrictions on who it's a good fit for to then homing in on, yes, we want to do this for libraries. What did that process look like?
1: Yeah. So so much of it was definitely an inflection and self-reflection point for me to say, what, what do I really love? And um, because that passion, of course, has to be there in the times that are trickier. And so for me, libraries in in the campaigns that I participated on that supported libraries, they spoke to me kind of on such a deeper level because A, I learned so much about what libraries do because like many people that it's not just a repository for books but that libraries are maker spaces now right um, locations for incredible programming that happens um, all of the resources you know business planning that can happen job searching that can happen the LA Phillips Memorial Public Library's tagline was actually so much more. And that just spoke to me really on a deep level that there was such a huge opportunity and kind of passion that ignited in me to help all others, you know, all many audiences understand the value of libraries and just the importance of um, equity and access and and what that does for communities, right? What that does for individuals, et cetera. So that was really where it started for me and then digging in deeper to understand you know is is our libraries and library directors library teams are they accessible you know can we can we target them effectively and that was such a big piece of kind of the experience in working with my business coach to say you know, can we can we target this audience? Can we speak to them? And then via the market research, can we speak their language? So the questions that we asked them, um, in this case, it was library directors, to be able to really use the exact words. So really tactically speaking, like transcribing market research calls, I never knew the value of that, and I will never not do it again. <laughs> because of how helpful that it has been really in this entire process. So on that note,
0: how did you then come up with questions? You know, what, where did you start? Was that something that your business coach supported you on? Or, you know, what did, what did that look like? How did you decide what questions to ask? And then maybe if you don't mind, would you share a few? Cause I think they might, you know, transfer well for, right. We're, we're talking to people who are in the service provider space who can they can do this. It doesn't have to just be in the nonprofit, right? This isn't just for a digital product. Like this is something that listeners you guys can do for the your own work and reaching out to potential clients and doing your own market research.
1: Yeah. So it was on um, business coach that really helped get, you know, identify the first, some of the questions um, and they were, and then I built upon them and really tried to make them library specific looking high level at, you know, could we identify and really hone in on even a decision-making process? How do libraries make, library directors make decisions? So that was really interesting um, to know and to ask. So asking questions like whose advice or opinions do you value when making a decision? How do you research? That was really important. And I knew that was important to library directors, of course, as well. Um, Asking if, again, this is library specific, but asking if they have a Friends of the Library group. So that is a nonprofit group that supports all library activities that some libraries have. Um, those, again, getting getting really specific. Looking at what's the most important factor when choosing between a resource to support your needs. That was, again, getting at really kind of deep Deep decision making processes, deep values, thinking about trade offs. So, what is the trade off in the effort in um, in how they make decisions and where they invest their time? Around how do they make goals? How do you work towards achieving your goals? That was also really interesting to know processes. How do they speak about what their problems are? So asking, you know, what are your top three problems that you're facing? What keeps you up at night? That's a really interesting one as well. That's super
0: helpful. Thanks for sharing all of those. And we'll include them in the notes for the episode. So you guys don't have to frantically write everything down. Okay. So on that note, you know, kind of jumping back to when you made the decision to focus on libraries. Did you have any stories that came up, like any negative fear mindset stuff that came up of like, no, that's too narrow. And if yes, or even if no, I guess, um, would you share a little more and then maybe how you worked through that? Yeah,
1: so I definitely did. You know, there would be points where I thought, oh my gosh, this is way too, way too niche of a market. And am I really going to be able to, to speak to people and to really resonate? But that was pretty short lived, thank goodness. So I I think it's just the importance of spending time up front to really attempt to put into practice and think through the steps that you will need to do in order to attract and access the market that you want to speak to. So it definitely was that. Um, And I think just such an important, again, inflection point for for anyone personally to say that my passion will overcome those, you know, moments of self-doubt, which is why it's so important that you have that passion right in the beginning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I
1: love that you shared that.
0: And that's it is, right. I just want to highlight that one too, of how, when you're, niching down figuring out what your next right step is you know making sure that you give a shit about it and that you actually care um can be really a really great place to start which shockingly is you know shouldn't be surprising but i think sometimes it is so on that what did you two questions following up from that how did you identify and find the people to talk to and what did it look like to reach out to them like did you just send them an email did you reach out to them on linkedin um was it a cold email like what did what was that process for then actually having those conversations in the first place
1: yeah so the good news is is that again being able to easily find your market so right like i can find how many libraries exist in minnesota so i started there you know and just knowing that um, I'm this is an estranged person from across the country, and that you know, starting as close to where you are will, I think, always have benefits and help the person that you're speaking to feel more confident and trust you. Um, and so that's where I started. And so Starting with cold calls, this was also a really interesting thing that I think was a a factor of the nonprofit market in a in a a bit as well a, a factor of when previously we had tried to do the social ads and that there was such a lack of response, it helped identify that there is and actually speaking with other nonprofit consultants as well validated this to say, that if you're serving the nonprofit sector, it relies so heavily on referrals that, that, that you really need to focus on a personal pro- approach out of the gate. So that's what um, I chose to do with fundraising for libraries. And it's been really helpful so far. So I've actually um, just spoken to a handful of library directors so far. And it's been a great conversation, great learning, right? Every conversation that I have, I, I tweak, you know, the, the conversation that I have with the next library director to make it even more beneficial and, and more specific. So that's been really, really great. And the finding the people hasn't been the trickier part. Um, it's a little bit like it always is, you know, with research of your prospects. So I've really just spent a lot of good intentional time figuring out weekly, you know, who I'm going to call and just making it really personal, providing over the top value and really speaking their language that that has helped so much. And when you come from a place of Truly wanting to help, you know, people can hear that in your voice and hear that in how you help them. And so I think, again, that just goes back to your passion and your desire of, you know, making the world a better place. And that's really where I'm coming um, from, for from the perspective of wanting to help libraries yeah, what it looked like to reach out, it was just a cold call. So I kind of, I went through and I made a map of what happens when um, I call the library and what happens if I speak to someone, what happens if I leave a voicemail. And then after that, then what did um, a potential nurture email sequence look like after if I did get their email address? Um, If I didn't have their email address, what does follow-up look like? So creating a lead template that I could clearly help follow up with my specifics. And then what are some other resources then that I could provide value for free through that email nurture sequence as well? So that's a lot of the um, foundation of this approach has been as well is how much can i give away for free right away so that i can really explicitly show that value so that when the investment and the decision for the investment comes that it right it's an easier one i love how detailed you are and
0: that you made a map i think that's the coolest thing ever and genius one of the reasons why i love you so much <laughs> <laughs>
1: It is so helpful. I'm like, oh, well, what am I going to do next? Oh, yeah, I I already figured that out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's brilliant. So my brain automatically says cold calling. And I just like get hives thinking about, you know, my back and like my marketing being in like the, I was a um, marketing director for a software as a service company before I started Witten Company. You know, one of the tactics that they had was to do cold calling and it just gave me the hives. Can you like give a summary?
1: Like, what do you say? Yeah. So I actually made a script. So I made a script for when someone gets on the phone and I made a script for a voicemail too. And that has been super helpful, a script in the sense of bullets so that I can still be really natural and right. it's not canned and things like that. But I definitely have had to do a lot of pump myself up talk <laughs> um, before I, you know, started and to just say, this is my goal. This is what I need to do for the week. I will not get any sales if I don't pick up the phone. (laughs) And, And relationships are at the center of everything that I'm talking and teaching about. And so it's the classic of need to walk the walk and even walking the walk in a harder cold call to start. I think is, it is trickier for sure. But I felt such a great sense of accomplishment after I even called three people. And so I think it's that kind of like internal, internal excitement about what I felt like after calling those three people and that, that I can replicate that. And I know it's not always going to be that way. So great that It was a good experience last Friday and hoping for the same experience this week, but I know it's not always going to be that way, but knowing that regardless, I'm going to learn something from it. So being able to just take detailed notes, you know, on most interactions so that I can continue to improve and, and help my process that in turn ultimately helps libraries, right? Which is the goal. Yeah. You have some feelings that come up around it too.
0: But again, it's centering yourself back on what's the the intent here? What's the intention? What am I, what's the greater good that you're achieving or working towards because of this work? And I think too, this gets back to the original, you know, what we said earlier of you really have to give a shit about what you're doing and believe in it. Because I would imagine that if you didn't have the passion there, if you didn't love it. You wouldn't be able to psych yourself up as easily, or even if at all, to make those calls because it is really hard. It's a very hard thing to do to call someone blind and without, you know, having that relationship there and starting from ground zero, kind of getting back to, you know, it's, I would imagine it makes it a little bit easier because you care about what you're doing and you truly believe in
1: the work. Completely. That's definitely what is the difference of of whether I write continue or not is is I could you certainly at every roadblock you think, oh, is this is this a really intense, is this like a final roadblock or is this something I can get over? Um and so for me, I want to see this business grow. And so that's right, my trade-offs there. Okay.
0: So last kind of question in this segment. If you were to give our listeners one action step that they could take if they're in this space of they want to do market research They're you've convinced us
1: of the benefit and the value of it. What, what would you say? Hmm. Identify like a group to start for your, for your market, re- con- market research contacts and, and really identifying those potential customers, you know, identify maybe even six to 10 and I think from those six to 10, if you take those and then identify where some areas that you want to grow and you want to build upon, or maybe it, w- maybe a certain area wasn't as clear, I think then you can identify, you know, three more to solve this specific issue. It gives you a really good map on where then you want to go next. So I would suggest for sure starting there and then also just continuing it. I think, you know, every three months call and talk to a couple of the people that you're serving that, that you may not know at all, or that maybe you just know from a mutual friend or connection, because what they're willing to tell you not knowing you is awesome. And Kind of just that unfiltered response that you get and how beneficial that is um for you to utilize then, right? In in even with one call of your prospective audience, you likely have a dozen blog posts, multiple social, um, social posts, and then more more kind of talking points then for you to utilize than in your work going forward. So it gives you a ton of output that then that, right? Um not even Chat GPT can give you. <laughs> um, so things like that that help really utilize and speak the language of of who you're serving. Yeah. And I love that you
0: you added that in of which we didn't really even get into, but what you can do with a market research, my brain automatically thinks, Oh, this is how we can, you know, refine our offering or tweak a sales page. But even to what you said, um, just to reiterate, you know, you can use those answers that people are sharing with you as prompts for a blog post or answer that, like jump on you know, social media and do a live, um, or a reel or story or whatever it, the terminology is these days. Um, to answer the question and just use that as content generation, which is fantastic Um, because then it's coming straight from the people that you want to target, uh, which is, you can't really get much better than that. Well, thank you so much for all of that great information. I want to uh, wrap us up with our in pursuit segment, and this is just a collection of questions about how you're pursuing an intentional brand. So Question one, what, from your perspective, makes a brand remarkable?
1: Yeah, um, I would say the focus of how you're serving those that you're serving. Um, And I think the intentionality of how you're serving and how you demonstrate that, I think definitely makes a, a brand remarkable in that even if it's hard, you know, that, that, that truly shows your commitment, you know, to who you're serving. Uh, how do you build connection into your business and the work you do? I have realized that I just have a true love of people. And so that in everything I do, I just try to help in an over the top way. Um, and oftentimes people are like, well, you know, does that fill you up? And does that end up burning you out? And for me, it fills me up. Still, of course, it, being intentional about the quantity. Um, but knowing that that's so important to me to help others when I can in a small way that can help them in a really big way. So identifying those opportunities, um, yeah, it's been the most important
0: uh, what does support look like for you right now in this season of life and business?
1: Yeah, um, so it's not too much at the moment, but I think it's knowing that you can do, um, you know, if you're maybe a little burnt out for a shorter period period of time, that that might be okay, <laughs> but knowing that there's maybe a, there's hopefully an end in sight in that. Um, and being really intentional about if there isn't an end of that building to it. Um, so support for me right now um, has been with the business coach, which has been incredible. But other support in the actual building of the business has been me. Um, but that's I think that's a little bit of the fun of it, too. And the exploration piece. So and, and loving that that part of it in the last,
0: you know, 6 maybe 12 months, what have you tried that which you kind of touched on? So maybe if there's anything else um kind of outside this product that you've created, um but what have you tried that didn't work?
1: Yeah, um has been building an email list via social, which was super surprising. Um that has been what hasn't worked, I think.
0: Social media is the I think for me, I I know I've been vocal about this, um, just with my newsletter and even in previous episodes of the social media is a hard nut to crack. So I hear you. Um, okay. And then last question in the last six to 12 months, personally or professionally, what's one thing that you have
1: said no to? Yeah. Um, let's see. I think it's been saying no to the things that haven't filled me up. So I've made some decisions in the past six to 12 months that have been bigger life decisions. So I think just recognizing and um, identifying what wasn't working in and, and even if it's hard to make that kind of um, detachment that it was the best thing overall. Um, so I think even saying no to continuing a previous business that that is what I said no to and it has has felt good.
0: That's a huge no. And I know you and I have had lots of great conversations um, because we were in similar life phases at the same time and saying no to previous businesses. Yeah. It's, it's a big, it's a huge no. (laughs) Um, But if it's, you know, when it feels good and you know, when it's aligned and you know, it's the next right, it's the, your next right decision. Okay. Well, Brianna, I know everyone's going to love you as much as I do. So where can they connect with you, learn from you? What are all of the places to, yeah, to just be in all of your goodness?
1: Yeah. So um, fundraisingforlibraries.com is our website. And then on social, same handles, Fundraising for Libraries. And then brand raise. So Kelly and I have actually um, started pursuing another activity and another business together that really combines our love and passion around brand strategy and fundraising. So we are also um, in the process of launching a company called Brand Raise that is really focused on telling a holistic story um, for nonprofits. And specifically, we have a personal passion um, for serving nonprofits that serve other people. Um, and so we're super excited to also be working on that. So it's definitely been um, an exciting couple of months working on both of these really exciting projects.
0: And it just kind of goes to the old adage of when you close a door, um, so many others open, which is so great. And the I was thinking about this the other day, just how serendipitous the journey that you and I have had. and you know, we had talked about partnering together and we had been getting lunch for, you know, the last what six or seven months every month of just connecting. And then you and I both reached a stage where we were ready to say no um to uh what we were doing and to pivot. And then it ended up working out that we could pivot together. And I think it's worth just sharing that when we say no to something, it gives us the opportunity to say yes to something else. And you really have no idea what that yes could be. And it's been really fun working with you and creating something brand new and just seeing what happens. So I just wanted to, to share that and to add it on because I think so often we can think that we're missing out when we say no to something. Um, but just to show that this is what saying no can look like as you get to really build on a really great friendship. And then that leads to something in business that you weren't anticipating at all either. Yeah, the best. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much again. And listeners, we will see you in the next episode.